Well, hey everyone. Welcome to episode 158 of F-Stop Collaborate and Listen. This week's amazing guest is Tony Torino, the founder of the Pacific Northwest Photo Summit and Bend Photo Tours. This week we dive into how Tony has been pivoting after the realities of COVID-19 have set in and how she is adapting her conference business as a result. Over on Patreon this week, Tony and I talk about what her experience has been as a woman in the landscape photography field. I hope you enjoy our conversations. Well, before we get started, I did want to let you know about a really great luminosity tutorial being offered for free by our Patreon supporter, Anton Everine, who is the creator of the great luminosity masking panel called Arc Panel. You will get one lesson a day with enough time to read through and understand everything. In the introductory part explains what kind of masks there are and how they work in Adobe Photoshop. Then a few lessons focus on practical examples for lights, darks, and mid-luminosity masks. And finally, the last lessons show how to apply masks when dodging and burning, carefully putting visual accents into the image. Just check out the show notes for a link to the tutorial. Okay, let's get to the show. Tony Torino, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. I'm so glad we were finally able to connect. <laughs> I know. What a whirlwind since we first started this this journey. I know. We were supposed to hang out a little bit at Outsiders, and that was canceled thanks to this wonderful virus that we are now ex- all experiencing. But, you know, thank God for technology. I know. Can you imagine if we were going through this without the internet? <laughs> It would be really interesting. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I mean, uh, actually, I was thinking about that uh, a couple of days ago. Like, how, first of all, like, how would they even tell people, you know, like, you'd, you'd, you'd be getting, I don't know, it would be just, it would be interesting because you would also have not all the people sharing just wild and crazy conspiracy theories and stuff like that, too. For sure. It's very interesting. It's kind of like, when I don't know how they did it when the plague happened before we had any kind of technology, like how they got information out to people is it's such a it took really <laughs> just, forever. <laughs> they just rung the, the town bell in the church and said, Come meet exactly. and we'll talk. <laughs> oh, exactly. now you're all dead too. Awesome. We didn't have data charts every four seconds updating. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You just you just knew that things were bad because you could smell the dead bodies. <laughs> Exactly. That's how you need to stay inside still. Right. Well, well, Tony, uh, for people that maybe aren't familiar with you, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So um, uh, a little bit about me. I grew up in a small town of South Lake Tahoe, which is kind of that mountain town that I came back to now living in Bend. Um, But in between, I lived in New York City and San Francisco and kind of did business development out there. And always had a photography kind of gig on the side doing families and events and that kind of thing. And then I moved to Bend and started uh, Bend Photo Tours. And so um, kind of wanted to put photography in the forefront, but not so much in the wedding circuit. So that was kind of the best of both worlds in order for me to get my business hat still on and also have photography. So, yeah. Mm. 
So that's interesting. That's interesting. It sounds like you were a business person before you were a photographer. I was. Yeah. So when I moved to New York, I, um, my first job out there was doing marketing after college. So I got a job doing, um, marketing for a high design showroom building, ironically, which nobody really knows what that is, but, um, it was right in downtown Manhattan, um, or Midtown and 34th street and fifth Avenue. And yeah, kind of got my start doing that and learning a lot of business development. And then I actually, um, got promoted to work in the do doing a trade show sales for their event space that they turned into on the 11th floor. They turned the 11th floor into event space, and basically hired me to run that. So I learned so much from like how to build a business and do the budgeting and the marketing and mm-hmm. the marketing I kind of knew, but not from that technical aspect of like running a whole department. And it was such a learning experience to kind of start my own business because I got to do it on someone else's dime. For <laughs> <laughs> really great. <laughs> and I had a really great boss to make me make things great always right yeah it's it's actually funny i don't think i've ever talked about this on the podcast but a little bit a little known fact about me is um for four years i worked at a nonprofit that provided health care to low-income uh individuals and my job title was uh manager of business development and partnerships so i've also worked in that space a little bit although for a nonprofit it was a lot different because I was I was mostly just developing uh, relationships and partnerships with other healthcare entities in terms of getting them to refer patients to us um, and developing processes for you know making sure that there was a smooth transition and and getting those patients in and things of that nature so um, it's kind of funny that you said business development because I was like, oh, I know what that word is. <laughs> <laughs> I had that in my job title once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it funny. comes in handy in all aspects. I have to say, like, um, I never in a million years. So my dad's an entrepreneur and built houses for a living in Tahoe. And so I remember as a kid basically fighting with him over the fact that I never wanted to work for myself. Like, why would you do that? What, like, I mean, a company provides everything for you and insurance and like, like all stuff as far as insurance on daily, you know, or monthly paychecks or whatever it is. And, <laughs> and then now every, like I talk to my dad all the time and he's like, well, how's that? No entrepreneurship going. <laughs> Ask him, do you still hate working for yourself? So, you know, That's you don't funny. really know what you don't know until you, <laughs> until you start your own business. That's yeah, you know, the I've ever made. You know, it's interesting. I feel like most uh, photographers um, have almost no business background whatsoever. And obviously I think the, yeah. the, the, the photographers that um, kind of rise to the top in terms of, you know, web ranking and people that get invited to speak at conferences and people that just become well known in the photography world. Um, often my experience has been, um, and this, and it's interesting because it's kind of in my own personal experience is that the people that have figured out a way to market themselves and have that understanding of business um, despite their talents or lack thereof in the photography world. Um, <laughs> you know, those are the people that get noticed and become popular. And so 
and obviously there's there's an overlap. There's people that are fantastic business have fantastic business minds and have an understanding of marketing and they're also great artists. But I've also, I've noticed that that's, that's kind of rare in terms of having both of those things. So I'm curious, like how, how did that kind of background give you a leg up in terms of starting a business in the photography world? Uh, well, it's funny because when I went to college, I was a journalism major and I went to Cal Poly and um, I remember my first class I took, I realized I hated my major, but at Cal Poly, you have to declare it going in. And mm. if you decide to change, it's an additional like two years right off that. <laughs> so but I really have bandwidth to change my major. So my best friend was a photography major and she, um, she kept going to classes and was so great and loved it. And so I'm like, you know what, I think I'm going to try, I had so many electives. So I'm like, you know what, I'm going to try and just take like photo 101. I took it in high school or 102 or whatever. And I got in and as an elective and in Cal Poly, it's not a major, like photography is a, um, it's a minor under the art major. And so in order to take the classes, you literally have to be an art major. So I got into 102 and then I could take 103. And then above that, you a photo major, like a photo operation within the art major. And so I just kept signing up for classes and kind of hoping for the best. And the teacher really liked me, which was a leg up. And so I ended up um, taking like over 14 classes and just kind of got an unofficial photo minor. And so to this day, it wasn't declared a photo minor, photo minor but um, I'm still in contact with my professor who now heads up the department at Cal Poly. And hmm. I spoke to her the other day, actually, because she is um, basically said that now they have started doing a photo minor that people can have. They declared that I was the first one to <laughs> That's um, awesome. photography space. But because I hated journalism, I also wanted to go into the business world. So I started skipping a lot of the classes. And, um, and so I kind of jumped ahead and got like 300 and 400 level advertising and marketing classes within the business department at Cal Poly two. And that kind of gave me the first leg up to really realize that's where I wanted to go without mm -hmm. having to change my major too much, <laughs> like officially yeah. change my major. So, um, I never, I, honestly, I never took photography seriously. It was just something I really liked. Um, and I wasn't a technical photographer at all. Like I couldn't tell you what my F stop and <laughs> anything was on any photo. Like even in our critiques, I remember in college, they'd walk in and be like, so I shot this at, you know, this, this aperture with this shutter speed and this ISO and all these technical elements. And I remember sitting there being like, um, I put the light meter in the middle <laughs> and I got this image. <laughs> that's so, hilarious i know and it's so funny because i was talking with um my professor and i was laughing because i'm like the irony that i now have like a photo education company <laughs> right it's so funny to me that if you would have told me this was my life out of college i would have thought you were nuts because i never took it seriously so everything comes full circle <laughs> but um Anyway, I, we were talking about it because she, again, is ha is bringing alumni in to teach some of her classes because of um, it's all online. And we were talking about the business aspect and I'm teaching I'm doing a class for her with her sophomores and 
how important it is to like take those business classes while you're in school, because no matter what you end up doing in your life, like business foundation will help you tremendously. Like even taking them later in life is classes and so on. Just understanding the the foundation of business, I think is such a strong benefit for all artists and all people in general, to be honest. No, I, I definitely agree. I, I think I have like, you know, conversations with lots of photographers throughout the week. I mean, especially right now with COVID-19, I feel like people are reaching out left and right, which is really fun. I like it a lot. Um, But what keeps coming back over and over and over again is people are, you know, frustrated about their, you know, lack of ability to know how to, you know, leverage different business things and push push their work out into the forefront to, to, you know, take advantage of what's happening. And it's, um, that's one of the reasons why I like to do this podcast, because I feel like it's one way for, for photographers and artists to maybe get a taste of, you know, what other people know in terms of, you know, how to leverage different little tips and tricks to maybe grow their business or to become better business people, um, in their photography, it's For it's sure. crazy how many photographers I know that their work is just astounding and it's incredible and they're world class, but nobody knows about them because they don't know how to market themselves at all. Yeah, it's so true, and like I think it's all it's also. It's funny. I just, my roommate, um, she, she's a uh, graphic designer and she got laid off with this whole COVID thing. She was a freelancer for a company, um, Mm. but the company laid her off. And so she was, we were talking this morning about um, kind of ways to set herself apart and try and, you know, get in front of businesses because there's this weird time right now, right? Like nobody has really additional money necessarily to to hire graphic designers, but everybody's pivoting their business in some capacity right now, right? Absolutely. If you can figure out, like target a company that you can see isn't adjusting well to this Mm. new normal, even if it's temporary, like target them and basically give them options on how they can use your skill sets to pivot their business to continue and thrive through this, right? That's so great it's advice. Kind of about taking initiative and really looking at what you're good at and understanding your skill sets, I think is the biggest thing. And going out to businesses that you want to work with and showcasing why you're the person that they should hire. Well, and I, I don't know about you, but I've I've found that maybe this is a uh, artists or photographers or whatever, but we have a really hard time talking about ourselves, like. Oh, yeah, I I know that I can provide value to that company, but I don't know how to tell them that story. I feel like that's something a lot of people really struggle with. And, you know, there's so many photographers that just think that you can build a website, post pretty pictures, have a Facebook page, post pretty pictures to it and hope that, you know, business is just going to start raining in, you know, and it's like there's there's so much more work that has to be done in terms of developing those relationships and reaching out to people and and helping them see how you can solve problems that they have it's so true i mean um so kind of to go a little bit onto the summit that i'm putting on like this was a big foundation of why i wanted to start this, this summit that we're launching in october in bend 
is um, it's a photo summit, Pacific Northwest photo summit. <laughs> yeah, I was and, gonna say, at least we're not launching it in April. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. Thank God, the time. Um, <laughs> once all this happened, like I literally took two weeks of not contacting a single person. Was like, what am I gonna do? <laughs> I just needed to like sit back, assess, and like pivot, right? Because the idea of this conference before all this happened was there's two issues that I have found in the photographers that I've been working with more locally than anything else. Um, Because when I lived in New York and San Francisco, my job was much more like photography was very much a side thing. Um, So since I moved to Bend, I've met so many professional photographers living here and that it's kind of given me a new perspective of the people in the business, I guess. Granted, it's a small subset. I realize that the biggest struggle I think a lot of them have is what we just talked about, right? They don't really understand networking, business, how to pitch themselves, how to brand themselves. Like the little things that, I mean, I've been fortunate that my background, like I said, is in business and I've created and realized the value to those things that I feel like when you're in a small mountain town doing landscape photography, those things don't necessarily come natural or they're Mm -hmm. not readily accessible. Um, So that's kind of the big reason of why I wanted to do this summit was to kind of create a landscape where we can talk about the business of photography and talk about the how to get a job and how these people are where they are and what made them like how can you apply those things to your daily life right because a lot of the conferences I go to especially in the photography space there's nothing wrong with it but a lot of times it's professionals getting up there and talking about their work and how they shot things and like where they went and it's very personal to them and a lot of times it's hard to take away some of that on for yourself, if that makes sense. No, it so totally makes sense. The idea was to kind of create topics and speakers that can talk to how they got where they are, how they found their niche. Um, like our keynote is uh, Drew Rush, who's a Nat Geo photographer, and kind of having him talk about how he got to where he is. Like, how did he, how, he does this niche with um, animal trapping and like, with photos, not, <laughs> not killing them in any capacity, um, right, 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 but right. like in getting these cool images with that. And that's kind of his niche market that he got into in that geo, but like how he got there and like how he made the contacts and, and he's young, like he's not six years old. He's like in his thirties. So it's like, it gives having those kinds of conversations to make things accessible to other people, or even just giving them the spark to recognize what they can do differently and how they can promote themselves. I think that's such a big thing with the conferences. And a lot of times, it's not even the speakers that really make an impact. It's that connection that you have with one another, right? Mm -hmm. At the events, which hopefully we will still be able to have. (laughs) But (laughs) if we can't... Uh, we are, we're actually doing a digital and a live version and, um, of the event. We kind of made that decision in the last week or so. I was going to say, do you have some kind of weird fortune telling powers that we don't know about? I mean, Coachella moved to October. So there's my fortune telling. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say that, like, if you had, if you had, I was going to say, like, if you had planned it that way from the start, I'd be like, Hmm, she knows something we don't all know. No. About. <laughs> uh, 
But the more, I mean, I feel like everybody, it's such an interesting thing to like tap back into this COVID is I'm talking to all my friends and all different aspects of life, right? And career. And some of them are like confident that by summer we'll literally be back to normal and everything will be fine. And then I have other friends that are convinced that it's going to take years for us, years (laughs) to get back to normal. And like, I have a friend who is like canceling her trip in December because she's she's convinced that travel won't be safe by then. So Mm. it's such an interesting thing. And I think it's such an interesting, this whole like COVID is such a psychoanalytical like phenomenon in my opinion, because as human beings, we love like limits, right? We like to know timeframes and have understanding of when things are going to start and stop and then plan accordingly. Mm -hmm. With this, we have no idea. So we're just making up (laughs) timeframes to try and give us some kind of closure. But nobody knows what's really going to happen. It's funny. um, I have my master's degree in clinical psychology. Oh, wow. And um, these kinds of events like like natural disasters or, you know, things that are like this that, you know, change the fabric of society. I'm kind of a weirdo because I actually – there's some weird part of me that actually kind of likes it It, um, just from a like perverted observer perspective, you know, like, like I love post-apocalyptic movies and books, you know, like the walking dead and things like that, because it just gives you a glimpse into the human mind and like how it, like how it adjusts to different types of scenarios. And I think this particular situation we find ourselves in is, is fascinating because of all the things you're talking about, like, you know, people are reacting and adjusting in all kinds of weird and strange and interesting ways. And um, it's almost like it, it's almost like an amplifier on human behavior too, because already we're seeing on social media, um, you know, political polarization is amplified. Um, People's mindsets around science versus conspiracies is amplified. Um, It's just really interesting to see the human mind kind of wrap itself around and react to this situation. And that's one of the things I was hoping to talk to you about was as a business person and as a photographer, um, it sounds like you're kind of a business person first, which is really cool. I'm curious how you're adjusting to the situation. Like what, like it sounds like you're kind of, you're kind of, your brain is out there into the future kind of thinking as a business person, what do I need to be doing? Cause this could be long-term potentially. So I'm curious what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of, when you open a tourism outdoor photography business and <laughs> and launch a large scale event and then coronavirus <laughs> happens, you got to have yeah. a pivot, right? <laughs> so, so re- re- retract well, what I said earlier about you being a future. Uh, exactly. The future. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> my fortune teller, my future telling skills have definitely sucked lately, I guess. But. <laughs> Um, you know, to be brutally honest, when it first happened, I took the first week and just kind of like hibernated and like kind of because I'm as a person, I'm a little gut reactionary. Like I want to understand and like trying to have all of these because everything happened so fast, like within a week, our whole world went upside down in seven days, like from 
normal way of life to we're not allowed out of our houses. Like, it's I mean, nuts. Extreme, mean, but like such a crazy thought that that happened in seven days. So yeah. how am I supposed to make a decision, especially about the event in October, when in seven days, our whole world changed? Like by October, Lord knows what's going to happen, right? I know. So I think I... um me, it was taking taking the time to really assess the situation, like all the all the aspects of what this means, right? Like we have um, between the economic impacts this is going to have, how long that's going to go into play. Um, like especially for my business specifically, I'm a I'm a pretty much your fun money. Like that's what you spend on. Yeah on my business. Yeah, so it's discretionary spending. Exactly. And so that's a scary thing because that's going to start to go away, but also my target market is retired, so mm-hmm. those people aren't affected by the economic impact as much as they are from the health impact, right? Right. So right, right. but those people aren't going to necessarily going to want to jump right back into being in a random car with a stranger necessarily because we <laughs> don't know how long we're going to need to be social distancing. So there's a lot of things that I thought about, to be honest, um, for the business, what I've come up with is I'm in the process of doing now is we're, I'm building out self-guided tours. Mm. So basically we're giving you options once like the, the forests, um, national forests and the state parks and all those open back up. We'll have locations that you can go to with like guided scheduling tours sorts. So we'll give you a schedule. We'll give you an interactive map and kind of give you photo tips at all of these locations and then kind of bring back those photos into Lightroom and kind of give you tutorials on how to best edit them in Lightroom as well. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, kind of kind of giving the the tour, but doing it in on your own terms, right? So mm-hmm, you can mm-hmm. do all the things in one day, you can take it for, you know, over the course of a week and like go to these, like each place every day, but we kind of recommend the best timing to go to these places and so on. And if anybody has a specific, each tour is kind of more or less generic, but we can target it to if they have something specific they want to know, we can definitely put that in there as well. So um, those will hopefully be up and running in the next few weeks. Um, probably not up and running, but like teased out and then we'll launch them once everything's literally up and running (laughs) and open. Um, Yeah, right. But I felt like that's kind of hopefully going to be a little bit of a like leeway between where we are now, where nobody can go anywhere to jumping right into doing tours with other people that you're not, that aren't in your pod and that you don't know. And like, you know, for safety and health measures, this still can get you outside, get you shooting, give you the tools you need. And then hopefully, you know, you can still kind of get your, your, the benefits of the photo tour without necessarily having a guide present. So no, I think that's a really great idea. Thanks. Yeah. So that's, that's the goal for the tour company. And then with the, with the summit, again, we're doing the, we um, are launching just a pure digital option. So the goal is, of course, to do this live and um, we'll make a decision one way or another, probably around mid-August on if we'll continue with it live or go straight digital. But um, no matter what, we're definitely going to have the digital aspect to it, which I'm really excited about because I think that will, A, open it up to people anywhere who might not be able to travel to the Pacific Northwest. Um, but we can, we're basically going to film the whole thing and then kind of do a post show 
um, or do it a few days later so that they can kind of, we can edit it all together and make it well done and then still have Q and A and live sessions with the speakers so that even the digital participants can have interactions with the, the people or the speakers. Yeah, no, I think that's smart. I think it's been interesting for me to, um, even in my, my full-time job at, you know, my day job, everyone's pivoting and using, you know, Microsoft Teams and Zoom and all those kind of tools. And it's interesting watching people, you know, either just full on dive right in versus people that are like hesitant or just don't have the, you know, the technology chops in order to, you know, just have it be natural to them. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how this particular event either gives people new tools to kind of learn and grow as humans, or in some ways I could see it also further isolating some people that either are unwilling to learn new skills or for whatever reason, don't have the capabilities to learn those new technologies or skills. It's true. It's really interesting. Like, I mean, so my background is in business development, but it's also in events. So like I used to run large scale event venues, um, Mm. So I did that in Manhattan for three years, and then I did it in San Francisco for three years. And so I, I, the impact on the event industry and like a lot of my colleagues from that aspect has just been profound. Like I for bet. two weeks, everybody was completely catatonic and had no idea how to recover from this. <laughs> right. And then, thank God the event industry is so creative because I think from that it's like, oh, well, we can do this, this, this. Now these digital platforms, it's so funny. I was talking to my IT guy um, or AV guy that's kind of, I've hired to do the um, summit with and kind of asking him more or less if we go to like the logistics, right? Of the digital aspect. And we're talking it through and I'm kind of a detail oriented person. So I'm like going into these nitty gritty things. And he's like, yeah, but honestly, by October, there's going to be a hundred different platforms that we can choose from. (laughs) (laughs) And the technology is going to be so different by then that hopefully like everything Mm. will be completely worked out because so true. Like I haven't even thought about that. It's funny because, I mean, we all think that we have Big Brother listening to us, but like right after that conversation, I literally got an email from a random guy who he had basically was started doing digital conferences, created a platform for digital conferences and like was emailing me, which I thought was so funny because we just got off the phone. And of course, I mean, that was a little too weird to not be. (laughs) It wasn't like an ad, which I know is the weirdest part, but like the email that came through by a random guy. But, um, right. It, just it wasn't. Opened you, up couldn't that ex- thing. you couldn't explain it by the Facebook pixel. Exactly. Exactly. So it kind of. I think that there is definitely a because people are hungry to figure out how to survive this. Like the technology world is going to pivot huge into creating some kind of connection, right? Because back to that um, psychology aspect of this, like we're basically isolating people from their natural state of touch and like embrace and and interaction with friends and family and so on that mm-hmm. that void is, is slowly getting filled. I mean, by like, I mean, not totally, but you know, like interactively being, having different channels for FaceTime, which used to be the only thing. And now there's like house party and like everybody has like built these different apps to kind of create this sense of connection that I think it'll just 
start expanding and getting better and better and better as this mm-hmm. continues. Yeah, it sounds like there's a market for like a platform that does entire conferences. <laughs> there is, I'm sure. I mean, <laughs> um, I haven't really done my research because honestly, I feel like by by October, there's going to be 700 more. So I know it's crazy. Yeah. Well, one of the things I was hoping to talk to you about, which I think it'll be, you know, I was hoping to talk to you about, you know, looking historically on the changes in the photography business in the past, you know, five to 10 years. But I think it'd be more interesting to talk a little bit about, you know, in this new world we're finding ourselves in, where do you see it going? God, it's so hard to say. I mean, I think, I think with any with any entrepreneurial business, like any trade business, I should say, like you have to dig your niche, right? Like mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. think photographers within the last like five years or so have kind of the ones who've succeeded are the ones that are like pivoting and building brands, like going in with brands and trying to like create brand photography and using their status on Instagram and so on to become quote unquote influencers and, and whatever. Like that's the way mm-hmm. it kind of switched in the last few years, I would say. And then it got, it's starting to get over inundated, right? As it always yeah. does. And so now I, like, it's hard to say, I think, I think with anything as photographers, like we're creative, right? We have a creative look and aspect. And I think challenging ourselves to figure out the best way to use that creativity to benefit businesses, like that's kind of where we're going to continue to get money, right? It's because businesses that are big or small are changing how they're running their business right now. Like mm-hmm. no matter if it's a big way or small way, if it's going to last forever, if it's just going to be in the small time frame, if we can like create, if you can identify what is lacking and then figure out a way to showcase that and help them do it, then I think that's how photographers will continue to grow. Even if it's not an expenditure the businesses necessarily think they can spend right now, I think everyone is desperate to keep their businesses afloat. So if you can change that mentality into like doing photography marketing almost Mm. and using that talent to help a business, then that's how you'll be able to kind of still sustain, in in my opinion. Mm -hmm. It's almost like, how can you play into the fears that all of these business people have? (laughs) Yeah. Totally. But it's like not play into the fear, but like create the solution, right? Like right, 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 right. the fear is already there. Like the people, everybody's freaking out. And like, I think- but how do you even, harness it? Totally. And I think that that's, it's a hard thing to do. I'm not trying to downplay it by any means. Like I think even the most creative minds have a hard time like establishing a problem and fixing it <laughs> through their <laughs> talents, right? Like that's right, not right. an easy thing to do. Don't get me wrong. But I think- with the amount of extra time we got, more or less, considering we can't be outside where we usually thrive, um, that would be kind of if people are hungry for work and trying to like get ahead of this, that's where I can can potentially see it going. Also, the technology aspect, like if you can pivot into any kind of digital platform and like help people build um, new branding and websites and that kind of thing. Like it's kind of an expansion of photography, but I think I've seen more and more photographers kind of build out their 
single niche skill set into an entire platform, right? So um, like, for instance, a friend of mine will do social media for people, but she'll do everything, right? She'll do she'll do all the photography that they need. So she'll stockpile all their, their assets through her creative. And then she'll do all the posting and the tagging and all that kind of stuff to then, you know, bring their business higher up on the, the docket. So, but it's not just about the photography element of it, right? She's like expanding her skill sets being kind of a whole full range social media expert. So I think the more you can pivot your one talent into a niche that people need, then you're going to start seeing more value, giving yourself more value, right? Beyond just a photographer. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's interesting in the last, what, five to 10 years, we've seen a huge shift. Um, I would say it's, it was a slow shift, but it was definitely one that most photographers took kind of pivoting from stock photography and things of that nature into uh, photo education and photo tours and workshops. And I'm curious, you know, I mean, I mean like everyone and their mom does workshops now. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, do you, do you think that's going to continue or do you see that um, getting kind of, do you think that's going to go on the decline with, all the things we've been talking around about around, you know, the, the impact on the economy and, you know, some people not being willing to, you know, go on these big trips with the people they don't know and don't trust. Like, do you see that, that evolving? Do you, do you see that changing? I think it's definitely, I think everything's going to have an impact, right? Like I think our social, I mean, we're all talking about the economic impact, but I think our social like spaciousness is going to also be affected. And that's mm-hmm. going to be more, I think that's going to take a little bit more time to get back because now we're tra- starting to train ourselves to not interact with people, which was such an like easy thing. non Totally. Like it's something you don't think about. You just hug your friend when you see them, <laughs> right. little things like that. And now we've kind of trained ourselves to not do that. So I think coming back into that world is going to be a very interesting shift. Um, as far as like workshop, you're right. Like I think, I think the pivot changed in like people, A, the photo, like photography in general got much cheaper to do, right? With mm-hmm, cameras, mm-hmm. pricing and all of that. So when that dropped, I think everyone picked up a camera and more and more people wanted to have their own work on the wall rather than a stranger's. And so, I mean, this is kind of why I started the business for me is that I, there's something about teaching someone else and showing someone else how to use their camera to get a best, the best shot um, that I enjoy as well as they, it's exciting for them to see how to get better. Right. And like, mm-hmm. yeah, so I think that's kind of where the workshops kind of took, took a turn into no one was really buying art anymore. And so they wanted to shoot their own. So then it became photo experiences that, that professional photographers were sharing. But I mean, between you and me, not all photographers are teachers, right? Absolutely. Like, you can be really great at a trade, but sharing that and explaining that to someone else is not necessarily the easiest thing for a lot of people. And I think that it got oversaturated in the market that every professional photographer thought, hey, I can show people how to do it. And not all of them can, as horrible as that is to say. Like, no, they're really I think that's great 100% at doing it. accurate. 
But I mean, photographers tend to be introverts, like right. by nature, like that's landscape photographers. For like, sure. Go out in the woods by ourselves, shoot these beautiful locations and go home. <laughs> right. So um, yeah, I think it's interesting because I've heard a lot of mixed reviews. Like I go to New York every year for um, Optic, which is the big um, conference that B&H puts on. Um, and I've met a few people out there who've done some tours and like, it's been a mixed review on who they've done workshops with and whether or not like they actually get any information and, (laughs) um, or if it's just, they take you to a place and kind of tell you to set up shop and then you just shoot, you know what I mean? Like it's also, it's living up to people's expectations, right? Yeah. You know, it, it, it's funny. I, uh, I, I, in February, I taught at the out of Yosemite conference and oh, nice. I don't, yeah. and I don't teach, I don't teach a lot. I mean, I've taught probably, gosh, I taught quite a bit back in like 2012, but then I really haven't taught much since then. So this year was kind of a fun kind of, Oh, I'm going to teach again. And, um, I had lots of people day two, day three, day four that I was, uh, teaching that were like, told me that the stuff that I was, you know, teaching them was made the conference worth it to them. And I, and, but it was, you know, it was funny because I'm an extrovert, which is, I know kind of weird and rare for landscape and nature photographers, but you know, I I just really wanted to help people and help them understand how to use their camera, but then also help them under, understand or learn how to see things in a different way and look for scenes that maybe they weren't, weren't so obvious and give them ideas on, you know, just, just give them little plant, little seeds of creativity. And for sure. it was, it was just interesting. But you have that, you have that personality. You can tell, like, I mean, when you, you have a podcast where you're asking people questions about themselves, where right. a lot of times photographers are very self-focused, right? And sure. so they don't take the time to do that. Right. <laughs> or ask No, no for sure. So I think it's not surprising to me. Your personality definitely creates just a sense of people wanting to talk to you and, you know, learn from right. you. And you, you're you're giving them what they need to, which I think it's, it's an approachability because a lot of professional photographers can be very intimidating. And if they right. don't create that space of like, hey, I'm here for you, like, let's all... For sure, for sure. I think it'll be... I think it'll be really interesting to see how the industry shifts after this, because I have a feeling that the photographers that are going to, I'm just making a prediction, but I think the photographers that are going to come out of this and do well are the ones that are able to embrace technology, can exude a sense of kind of extroversion and and human connection without actually being in person with somebody. And and I think it's also going to be people that are, you know, very creative in terms of their business and can really just kind of think on their toes and, and pivot quickly. I think those are yep. the people that are going to survive. I mean, I think that's with any industry, to be honest, right. like not just yeah. photographers. Like it's, right? I mean, that's, there's two types of people, right? There's people who take a crisis and recoil and freak out and like the world has ended. And then there's people right. who take a crisis take a minute to breathe (laughs) as we all do 
and then find the solution and find the the takeaway on how to pivot whatever you're doing to the crisis, right? right? Like I'm I'm fortunate in that I lived in events for so many years and I mean when you're running events you have to have a plan A, B, C, D, E. <laughs> you basically list them off because you never, it's so unpredictable, right? You never know what's going to happen. What if the sound goes off? You know, like little things like that, you have to be. Right. And um, I think that it kind of has created that ability to, you know, allow me to trying to think outside the box. And like, my favorite thing is actually to look at different industries, right? Mm. Take, take something that's so out of your world, the healthcare world, for, for instance, and like, how are they managing this? Because they're going to stay afloat no matter what. So what are they using, to like, showcase their information? And how can you take their PR strategy and potentially turn it into how you're going to do stuff? right? Like what are their targets and what are they trying to get? And like using different industries that are succeeding and thriving through this and figure out a way to kind of pivot their messaging to yours, right? And whatever Mm. your product is. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. My wife works for a radiology uh, business that, you know, it's owned by a group of radiologists and, you know, they do all kinds of, you know, imaging tests, like whether it be, um, mammograms or x-rays or MRIs or whatever. And they've seen a huge decline in their business, which totally makes sense because people are not going in to get those, you know, those discretionary healthcare tests right now. They're hunkering down and, you know, staying home. And I'm just curious. I feel like other industries could learn a lot from photographers and creatives, you know, in terms of thinking outside the box and how do, how can you offer your product or your service in a way that still makes people feel safe, but then also um, offers that human connection and solves a problem for them. I think it's, it's going to be really fascinating to see kind of what comes out of the other side of this. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's, it's such a weird thing. Like, I mean, it's something that no one in our generation or our parents' generation even has ever lived through. Like we've never lived through a global like epidemic, pretty much or pandemic. Um, right. Where I mean, it's, the, the the closest thing is like World War Two. I mean, totally. Every, but that like was all a the war. industries, right? But like all the industries had to like completely shift to like manufacturing weapons and stuff like that. I, it's a, it's kind of a similar situation where we're all shifting to like masks and like, you know, <laughs> right. like protective wear. Well, there's an idea. It's can true. you make, can we as photographers make really cool masks that have our beautiful photos on the outside of them? Oh, That's sure. an idea. There we go. Like, just like the printing of hats. Like let's start putting yeah. hats on masks. Absolutely. Um, I think that's a great idea. <laughs> Sell yeah. them to Patagonia. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, get a little bit of a Smith Rock on your hat, on your on your mask. Exactly, exactly. I mean, they've got some creative ones out there for sure. They have uh, yeah. the Tiger King like face oh, one that goes on there. It's so funny with the goatee. <laughs> uh, have you watched? That? I know. Yeah, I have. It's oh. in fact, I um before before you and I jumped on here, I recorded the um, outro to a podcast I'm releasing in a couple of weeks, and I. I couldn't help myself but to say, like, hey, all you cool cats and kittens. <laughs> I mean, 
Oh my God. Like, it's so funny because I, I went on her Instagram page just randomly the other day. And like, she wrote this whole message about how she feels like she was duped and that she thought this uh. was going to be like the SeaWorld documentary, which like un- uncovered all of the like cruelty to the animals in SeaWorld. And oh my gosh. Uh, it just, it fascinates me so much. Like two things. I can't imagine the producer of this who's like, huh, I'm going to do it. Like snakes are cool. And then he like meets a guy with a giant cat in his car. And he's like, interesting. Maybe I'll do a documentary <laughs> on like private zoos. Right. And then you go down that rabbit hole, like, uncovering all of the stuff. You can't make this up. No, you it's can't make mind. it up. Yeah. Your brain just explodes. Totally. But uh, there you go. Pivot into documentaries. And <laughs> I think right. that's also, I mean, in saying that, I think photographers right now, like the photojournalism aspect of this is like kind of mm. insane. Again, this mm. will be something to go down in history. And if, if mm-hmm. you can document that in a certain capacity and like spin into, I mean, even our town, the um, Bend Magazine is asking for photographers to go out and showcase what coronavirus is doing to Bend, right? And and they're opening it up to anyone to basically shoot the impact of this and to create kind of that scene. And I think that is a way that photographers could purpose themselves in this and whatever community they're in, in a safe way, of course, but document this and use our creative voice to really showcase what's going on in all the different community aspects. Right. Um, that's definitely a way that like, I mean, immediate time you can use your skill sets. Yeah. Part of me hopes that this is going to be one of those things where, you know, in 10 years going to be like, you remember 2020, that was crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, seriously, it's kind of, it reminds me a little bit of 2009 when the crash happened. Yeah. Um, Or like, or nine 11, you know, totally, totally nine 11 for sure. Um, and yeah, 2009 from the economic impact, I think with the stock market, I mean, that happened with 11 too. So, um, yeah, totally. It's kind of the same idea where it's just kind of like what is happening. Our whole norm just got flipped on its head and we have no idea what's going on. (laughs) Like, so, well, well, Tony, you know, winding down, I was hoping maybe you could recommend some other artists for us to have here on the podcast. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm actually going to pitch three local um, people to bend. Um, the first would be um, Kevin Kabuda. He focuses a lot on Lightroom techniques and is a really great photographer in his own right. Um, and then the second would be Sheila Dunn. Um, she's not a photographer, but she is an incredible artist. Um, she does paintings. She's gone into the landscape space. and um, But her marketing technique on how she showcases her art and how she partners with different brands is really impressive. And I think even as photographers, we can learn from that. Um, yeah. And then the third is Christian Morello. Um, he is also a local photographer. Um, he works with me with the Ben Ford Ben Tour Company and um, is my co-founder for the Ben Tour, or sorry, the Ben Photo Society, which we created out here to kind of get the community photographers together. And he also is taught with uh, Nat Geo Expeditions as well. 
Um, and he's just all around a great guy who has kind of taken landscape photography and made that into his full-time gig as well. So that's awesome. Yeah. I, I'm wondering, you know, the photo society thing, have you guys noticed that it's been difficult to get younger people involved in tra- yes. more traditional? So that um, is why we started yeah. it because like when I first moved here, um, again, like I came more from the event photography world. And so like there was much greater sense of community and like the wedding industry and so on. Um, lots of meetups and groups and, and all of that that were younger and in the same kind of ideal. Um, here, I went to a few meetups and it was a lot. It, I mean, as horrible as it sounds, it was kind of like retirement communities, yeah, right? For sure. Mm-hmm. They're very different mentality, not don't really care about like how to be, make a business of this. They just like to shoot and go out and shoot, right? And talk about right. it, which there's nothing wrong with that. Totally. But again, it creates, there's so many people, like I work out of coffee shops all the time and I meet all these photographers who just have no idea how to get their gig or network or there's, or they're very siloed in them, their own worlds, right? We're all so right. independent in our businesses that we kind of, Christian and I came up with this idea of creating this Ben Photo Society to try and get those young people involved. So we did like a student membership or a young adult membership under 25. Um, and I mean, we of course launched it in January um, and we had a really good impact of like people that showed up and then all of this happened. <laughs> so we've had... Um, we've only had like four meetups. So basically it's meetups throughout the year. We do like educational programming. We do outings. We do networking events where we team up with like um, current co-working spaces or networking events that already take place and create like a businesses meets photographers kind of concept. And the other thing is, is professional photographers, right? Like, again, it's such a siloed industry where a lot of people just do their own thing and think that if you talk too much to other people, then you're going to be vying for the same jobs. But that, that is a weird thing people think. I know. And I just, again, coming from my background, like I have always been under the idea that it's we're stronger as a group and collaboration over competition, right? Like, absolutely. Um, there's but that's so also. Much- I dare I say that's also a trait that is typically more exhibited by women than men. (laughs) I do believe that for sure. And, um, and so it's been, it's been interesting, but we had our first social, um, January 15th and we were like expecting maybe 15 people to show up and we would have been stoked. We had over 45 come. That's cool. It was a really great showcase of all age ranges, all levels of photography, videography, and so on. It was a really great showcase, right? That all of these people are interested in like having a community. And like most of the people were like, oh my gosh, hey, it's so great to meet you in person. Like I follow you on Instagram. I've been following (laughs) you on Flickr for 25 years. Totally, totally. (laughs) So like having that human connection that now who knows when we'll be able to do that again, but still. (laughs) Right, you could do it like on Zoom or something. That's what we're doing. We're starting to do um, sip and speak. Um, is what we call them, but we're going to do them through Skype and Zoom and um, yeah. also do like basically hangouts as well. Right. Um, <clears throat> That's to cool. Try and keep that going. But That's awesome. Well, keep up the good work. It sounds like you're starting to emerge from your fog of what the heck just happened and you're starting <laughs> to creatively solve some problems. <laughs> yeah, try my best, right? Like, 
Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. That's all we can do. But um, yep. I think that's what keeps us going, right? Is trying the next thing and like life is not perfect and you got to be able to adapt to it in any capacity. This was just like a big blow that I don't think anybody was expecting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Tony, thank you so much. This has been uh, a lot of fun. I really appreciate you taking the time to to chat. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was such a great time and um, yeah, such fun topics. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, go give your dog a treat. I know she's it's it's her it's her dinner time and she's letting me know. <laughs> she's like, Mom, come on, what the heck? I know, I know. It's been an hour and a half and you've been ignoring me. Right, what the heck? <laughs> I know. All right. Well, thank you, Tony, for joining us for a fun conversation on the podcast. I really enjoy hearing other photographers' perspectives on the business side of photography and can't wait to see where you take your business. Well, we're still going strong over on Patreon for supporters of the podcast. There is over 100 bonus episodes over there, including over 13 hours of additional conversation covering a wide variety of topics from macro photography, philosophical debates, business ideas, and a lot more. Join the other 138 awesome supporters of the show by heading over to patreon.com slash fstop and listen. And special thanks to our amazing folks who are contributing $20 a month or more over on Patreon, including Gary Randall, David Kingham, Danny LeFrancois, Jack Curran, Eric Stensland, Jeff Peterson, Charlotte Gibb, James Bakavoy, William Nurse, Anton Everine, Lori Berenson, uh, Richard Wong, Matthias Joland, Suzanne Mathia, Zachary Smith, Frank Otto Peterson, Ken Dono, oh, Michael Rung, John Whitaker, Jason Clardy, Jim Valancourt, Jennifer King, Andrew Hawkins, and Joshua Wallace. Thank you all so, so very much. Well, here is what's coming up on the show next. Well, next up on the podcast is what I think a wonderful conversation with Brooks Jensen. He is the founder and publisher of Lenswork Magazine. We chatted for over two hours and covered some awesome topics. I also recorded a thought-provoking panel discussion with eight of our field's best photographers, who also happen to be women, and we discussed the topic of gender and how they see it in our industry. And I've also got some really great recordings coming up with Christian Fletcher, Nick Carver, Drew Armstrong, and John Barkley. Well, do you have an idea for a podcast episode? Feel free to send me an email at matt at mattpainphotography.com. All right, well, that's all for now. Thanks for stopping in, collaborating with us, and listening. See you next week.